Hello and welcome to The Student Space, a podcast for students about high school, life after school and how to actually be an adult. In this episode, I chat with Demi, who is a VCE English teacher. She also runs an Instagram account called Ace Study Guides. We chat all about the different types of English subjects offered in VCE, why we need to complete at least one English subject and lots of tips and tricks to help set you up for your year ahead. Enjoy! Before we jump into the chat, I want to respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording this podcast and pay my respects to the elders past and present of the Rwandri people of the Kulon Nations. Well, thank you for joining me and welcome to the student space. So before we get started, Demi, do you mind just introducing yourself? Sure. My name is Demi. Um, I'm an English teacher in my seventh year of teaching um, in Melbourne. And I've been teaching English for, yeah, seven years. Um, my experience has led me to around the world. So I've taught in London for a little bit. I've taught um, in Melbourne. And I even have aspirations to maybe teach overseas again one day, if we can. <laughs> but we'll see how we go. Definitely. Fingers crossed. Um, and just quickly, your experience in London, how did the students compare to the students here in Melbourne? Yeah, so the GCSE over there, which is um, the equivalent of the VCE or HSE here, is um, really challenging. Um, If you think VCE is tough, try doing GCSEs. Um, They also have an extra year there because actually in year seven, they're in grade six. So your first year of high school is grade six, basically, but they call it year seven. Yeah, and then once you've done your year 10, you do like a big year 10 subject, big year 10 exams, you can choose to do... um, your A-levels, which is sort of year 11 and 12, and some people even go into year 13 um, if they need to resit exams and things like that. So it's very different. Um, so at one point I was teaching 19-year-olds oh, wow. <laughs> in my resits. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, but it's uh, I find it's really tough to get, um, to get into uni over there, especially if you don't have the grades. It's very, very strict. And um, the students, there's a big gap between sort of the really top schools and the really low schools. And the low schools are really, um, really tough. There's a lot of kids that are refugees. There's a lot of kids that don't speak English. So I taught at um, uh, a little school near Heathrow Airport and there were some really interesting characters and beautiful, beautiful students, um, really tough circumstances. And it just, it just reminds us to be um, you know, grateful for the things that we have and the opportunities here. I think Australian schools have a lot more support and a lot more opportunities for us to all sort of achieve our best. Definitely. And it's it's kind of good to know that because you'd hate to be 19 and still stuck in high school where 18, 19 year olds here are starting their life, you know, post school can do whatever they want. Yeah, really, really tough going. And um, yeah, but they get there. So that's the main thing. <laughs> exactly. And your forte, English, um, specialty being English, do you teach you seven to 12? Yep. So I've always taught you high school English. I teach you seven to 12. I'm mostly in senior school these days. So this year I have year 11 and 12 and a year nine class. And this is my third year of teaching year 12 VCE English as well. So it's been exciting. And yeah, I've always loved English. I can also teach history, but I always seem to end up in in English departments, which is fun. But um, I've pretty much loved English from day one of school. I was definitely the student who read the book really early and then um, was always reading my own book under the desk in the days before phones. (laughs) 
Um, I was that student. I've always loved it. Um, I've always found it really interesting to talk about some of the big ideas that are happening in text in the world. So that's always been my forte. And, and yeah, I really love it. That's awesome. So safe to say that English was your favorite subject in high school? Oh, yeah, hands down. English. <laughs> I loved art. I'm pretty much I was like pretty nerdy like I loved all my subjects at school I really enjoyed high school I had a really enjoyable experience um not so much maths maths was not my forte um but I still tried really hard because you know I, I really valued my teachers I, I went to a lovely school um just locally in Melbourne and my teachers were just so beautiful and lovely and I just you know we all at the cohort there's only 90 of us in the cohort it was a really tiny school we all just got along really well so that was part of it too that's nice. It always makes a difference when you've got good teachers. You actually want to try hard, whether or not the subject is your favourite or not. Absolutely. Yeah, really important. And final question, what is your favourite text or novel to teach? Um, and we can make this like year 11, year 12 English. Yeah, so, well, it always changes. But at the moment, it's probably Station 11 by Emily St. John Mandel. Um, we, it's a little bit... Um, intense because the book is actually about a flu that wipes out 99% of the world's population. Oh, um, what a coincidence. I know. Last year it was it was really deeply ironic because we went into lockdown as we were studying station 11. So all my poor year 12 students were just like this is too much. It's too much like um, real life. Um, and we would sort of joke about that but um and then the second text we did was um, about slavery and racism in society. So and that's when BLM was happening. So all the students are convinced that we were altering world events to make English relevant. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, that's the text I really love. And in year 11, we do the Australian text, The Lost Man um, yep. by Jane Harper. She currently has the film out, The Dry. So if you've read The Dry, same author. Oh, okay. highly recommend yeah a bit of a murder mystery um and that's quite good too because there's a lot of um, big twists in the book and the students really love trying to work out who did it so yeah it's good awesome now we all know if we are doing vce that there are different english options available to students so there's english english as an additional language english language or literature what's the difference between them all yeah, so really good question. Um, we so most people do mainstream English or VCE English, and that's the classic English that you would have had experience with in other year levels too, where you have text studies, you do analyzing argument, you do an oral presentation, and the new part of it usually that you intro, you're introduced to in year eleven or year ten is that you do a comparative essay as well. Um, your next one is literature. So literature is a little bit more challenging um, than mainstream English in a bit of a different way. So in lit, you do um, a, a bit of a bigger variety of texts and you look at perspectives. So you look at a feminist reading of a text or a postmodern reading of a text and you put on like these almost like a lenses over the text and analyze them in that way. And it can be really interesting too because do really close analysis of the language and the themes. Um, I really loved lit. I did English and lit. <laughs> because oh, wow. I loved English so much <laughs> um, so that was really really good English language is actually a little bit more um, a bit of a different strand I guess if you will some people call it the science of English um, but please don't think that you don't read any books in English language you definitely read books in English language just in a slightly different way you have a look at sort of um, basically it's linguistics so you look at the study of language itself how language evolves over time. You look at slang and sort of the phonics of language and how politicians use language. And 
it's really, really cool because you basically uh, curate a big portfolio of articles and texts and, and things like that and you analyse them in a really analytical way, which is um, a lot of students who do lots of sciences tend to really enjoy English language. It's a little bit more structured, um, but a lot of work, very challenging. And finally, AAL is for students who um, have English as a second language. And I can't remember the exact rule, but essentially you have, you have to have lived overseas um, for a certain number of years to qualify for EAL. So that's not necessarily an elective one. Your, your teachers will sort of take you through that process if you qualify for EAL. And it's very similar to mainstream English. You just have a bit of a different exam where you do a listening component as well. Gotcha. Now, is there any one that is, say, easier than the other? <laughs> That's um, all my students always ask me this. Um, it really, uh, I can't give you a straight answer because it really depends on who you are as a person and what you want to achieve through English. Most people end up doing mainstream English because it's all the things that you already know how to do, um, such as write an essay or hopefully you know how to write an essay um, or analyze articles or, um, you know, write creatively so most people end up going for mainstream English because it's very structured you know what to expect um, lit tends to as I said before lit tends to be a little bit harder only because you're really expected to go much deeper into the texts but I think sometimes students enjoy that more because it's a bit more open it's a bit more about discussion and having an opinion um, that can be really backed up with you know evidence in the text so some students prefer that sort of more open-ended discussion, whereas uh, mainstream English is a little bit more structured. And uh, English language, again, like personally, I probably wouldn't do very well in English language because I like to be a little bit, a bit more creative and um, I guess, yeah, creative in my writing, whereas English language tends to be a little bit more structured in terms of um, how you access the text and the things that you're looking for it's quite different to things you would have done in high school so that could be challenging in year 11 if you're picking it up in year 11 um, but you're I'm sure your school will support you and your teachers will support you in that sort of new way of thinking um, but then uh, then again I've had students who love English language especially if they're sort of doing more sciencey subjects um, and other other students who just really hate it and drop out halfway through and switch back to mainstream English so can't really answer that question. It's a hard one. It depends on who you are and how you learn. If you know how you learn and you know, and you already have a bit of a sense of how well you're going to do in English, um, read the different, have a look at the different exams, talk, talk to your teachers and they'll direct you in which way to go. Perfect. That was literally my next question. I was going to say, how can someone in year 10 decide what's good for them but you've already answered it so talk to your teachers maybe look at the study guide even jump online look at the exam structure and if you resonate with you know the type of questions that they're asking then that might be beneficial to choose absolutely and there's so many things online um this podcast included that will sort of guide you as well but your teachers are your best resource and most schools have some sort of um uh, subject person that you can talk to as well but really your current English teacher is probably the best place to tell you where you should go um, because they sort of can look at your grades they can look at your approach your learning approach and they can say look actually I think you're best suited here I every year in about August I sit down with all my year tens and we have these very conversations and often oftentimes they'll be tossing up between two but Ultimately, I say, if you wake up in the morning and your heart is in mainstream English, go for mainstream English, because most of the time you can swap 
Um, not always, but most of the time you can, especially if it's from a, a lit or an English language into mainstream English, you can usually do a slop, depends on the school, but, you know, putting, putting yourself, um, you know, you know, having confidence in yourself and also talking to your teachers is really important. There's no sort of quiz you can do that's going to tell you what you should be doing unfortunately <laughs> maybe we should make one um yeah. but yeah there's um teachers 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 they're your best resource love it great advice now mm. for someone like me I absolutely I'm not going to say hate but it wasn't my favorite subject I guess I'm pretty biased I'm more a math sciencey kind of person <laughs> and we always ask this question as to why English is part of our VCE that we have to do it why do we have to choose one of these yeah, so I actually am not super across the um, science of why it's in your top five or your top four, but essentially, you know, English is one of the core subjects and they actually, there was talks to uh, making a maths a core subject as well, which is interesting, but I think it's going to happen. Um, and English is one of those things that in, in any sort of job or any course that you apply for, you have to have some sort of basic level of English reading and writing skills and thinking skills. And for many, um, you know, the VCAA decided that I guess English needed to be, you know, compulsory for that aspect of it as well. Um, most courses need at least a 25 in English so, to get in. And so I think um, having that sort of hurdle requirement is really important because in any job you end up doing, no, you probably aren't going to write an essay about Shakespeare ever again. But in any job you end up doing, you need to be able to communicate, you need to be able to think for yourself, you need to be able to write clearly. And the best example I can give of this is um, my partner who uh didn't really like English either <laughs> didn't do too much work when he was in school he went straight into an apprenticeship and became a plumber and he really loved it and then at about age 26 he um really hurt his back and he could no longer work as a plumber so all of a sudden he was thrown into this world of um you know working in an office and having to write emails all the time and he had to sit down and reteach himself pretty much all these grammar conventions and how to write you know in a business um, sort of lens and how to you know really communicate um, and that was really tough for him and he actually said to me when we first met when he found out I was an English teacher oh I really wish I'd paid a bit more attention in English so I could write a little bit more fluently because it's you know he's had to really work it out for himself and yes some of you are probably thinking oh just spell check it or I'll download Grammarly but it's you know much easier if you're able to communicate you know on your own and, and have that sort of voice as well so we think it's really important um, you know it, it I think if you go into English thinking, oh, I have to do this as compulsory, that's a really limiting mindset. I think if you see it as this is something that I'm going to use to build my communication skills, my writing skills, so that I can communicate better in future in my job, that's like a much better way to look at things. And once I sort of say that to my students, they go, oh, yeah, that's that's not so bad. <laughs> Actually, a great way to put it. It's like it shouldn't be a bore or a drag. It's more so like English is the subject to set you up for your future and your life. It's a great way Absolutely. to put it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I always say English is the study of humanity. You're looking at how people experience the world and how it resonates with your experience of the world. So even thinking about that on a deeper level, it can even help with your connection with others. You can understand different perspectives without having to live through them in a really um, sort of real way. I know that sounds quite philosophical, but I find that quite beautiful if you think about it. 
Totally. And I've always heard this, or even some of my students who say prefer the math side um, of school, they're always like, English is too hard because there's never just one right answer. Or they'll say like, <laughs> I've got a maths brain. I'll never be good at English. Is this true? Are there like two sides? You could be English or maths. And maybe how can you change someone's mindset or any advice to shift this? Yes, absolutely. Well, it starts from day one. It starts in year seven. Um, what drives me mad and drives us mad as English teachers is students who get to year 12 and go, okay, cool. Now I'm going to try hard in English. Um, you know, English is not like a formula that you can learn and then apply to find the answer, like a math subject. English has, you know, it, it's obviously subjective and it's open-ended. So you need to find a, a, a way of writing that works for you and that takes time so working on it year year by year and building up a repertoire of tools and skills sort of in your in your back pocket is what's going to allow you to improve in English because English is really cumulative maths can be too don't get me wrong but English is very cumulative meaning it takes really the application of the skill over and over again and a little bit of courage to really improve your writing and to and to develop your your style of writing and your voice um you know if you ask me for a formula i could probably give you one but it's always going to just be a really formulaic essay it's not going to have that voice and what's going to make you stand out is having that that little bit of courage to have a bit of a a, a voice in your writing and, and a bit of creativity and i think thinking in binaries such as i'm not an english brain or i'm not a maths brain can actually really hinder your ability to progress. Um, instead of thinking, I can't do it, or I don't have that kind of brain, think, hmm, maybe it's not my strength, but I can still improve. Or I'm not an English brain yet. I love adding yet to the end of words because it can really encourage me to keep trying. And also I think if you think to yourself in terms of grades, that can be really limiting as well. I think if you think of it as I'm going to improve my writing style, and use as much of the structure that my teacher suggests for me, then I'll get there. And that's that's really important. And, and you know, repeating that skill, practicing that skill all year, all all of your years, even in year 10 all the way up to year 12, you'll see, you'll see growth by the end of that year 12 when you get to that exam. Um, I think starting to try for English in year 12 is a little bit stressful. It can be done, but I, I would really avoid doing that um because it could be a little bit um overwhelming because it, it, it like i said it's cumulative it takes time to refine the skill definitely i love the i can't do it yet or i won't be able to get there yet but i will be able to get there in the future that's a great way to put it yeah and it's like it, exactly right like it, that applies to life that's a life piece of advice there for you love <laughs> you know, it if you, if you feel like you can't do something add the yet on the end and it really changes your mindset for sure. Now, this is a perfect segue into some tips for students starting fresh in 2021. Let's say they've had a really great English journey, or it could even be for students who maybe be in a rocky journey. What are your top tips for um, like nailing it? Or, you know, let's say, let's use the terminology. We're not there yet. How can we get there? Beautiful. I love it. Um, so number one, top tip, read the book. <laughs> <laughs> but what Just if I hate reading? Read what if I hate reading? Too bad. My my English teacher used to say, "Get over yourselves and just read it," <laughs> which is really harsh advice. But you know, um, okay, if you're not a big reader, you have avenues. You can listen to the audiobook. If you're a runner or a walker, you like to exercise, like to move your body, 
listen to it as you go for a walk. Um, you might read it with a buddy. You know, you might need someone to encourage you. You might read together. That's a really good way to do it. Um, you might actually sit down and go, okay, with your teacher, I need a bit of a, because I know me, I love schedules. I'm, I'm really good under pressure. So if I sit down with my teacher, say, you know, hypothetically and say, um, look, I need a bit of a reading time for the next couple of weeks to get through my book. What can I do? You know, they might set up some deadlines for you. And if that works for you, go for it. Talk to your teachers. They're willing to accommodate you. Um, they're going to much rather prefer you being honest and saying, I haven't read it than assuming you have and then being frustrated when you can't write, you know, a really detailed essay. But essentially, 90% of your problems will go away if you read the book. <laughs> I know it's hard and they can be challenging. Um, another top tip for you as a branch off of that is, I used to always look up or have a bit of a brainstorm about the key themes of the book and I'd write them in the front cover of my text and then I'd assign them each a colour or a post-it and so I already had a bit of an understanding of what I was looking for when I was reading the book rather than just blindly reading it. Yeah. Um, that's something that can really help if you're not a great or a strong reader, instead of just sort of getting lost in the plot, you can sort of look at, okay, well, I know I need to look for this idea of conflict. So I'm going to keep an eye out for that. Um, similarly, reading a bit of a summary before you dive into a text, if you're finding it really hard is another great way to sort of have in your mind roughly what happens so you're not grappling too much with the actual plot um, and then you can really focus on what you need to be analysing for the text. Definitely. So those are a couple of good tips. I think I remember back in my time, now this was like six years ago when I was in school, there was spark notes. I don't know if that kids still use that. <laughs> it um, does exist. <laughs> and we'd go, we'd read all the plot quickly just if we didn't read the book just to know what the teacher was talking about. <laughs> I know, but we know if you've only read the spark notes. I know you can't say, oh, yeah, right, miss, as if, but it's true. Like they'll say, you know, a student will write something in an essay. I'm like, hmm, I've read that on spark notes because we've all read the spark notes and we've read the, there's another one called lit charts. We've read them all. Um, we know if you're, if they're not really your ideas and, you know, you need to assume that the examiners have also read all of those, which they have. So do you want to just do the bare minimum and end up sounding like everybody else? Or do you want to, you know, persevere, read the text and come up with your own ideas. And that way, when you get to the exam, you're being rewarded for that thinking. I always say that to my students and I go, unfortunately, there's no shortcut when it comes to reading the book. You just have to do it. But the, the rewards really outweigh, you know, the effort that you need to put in to do it. And so, so for students who maybe have dyslexia or have any other learning difficulties, that's where I really highly recommend the use of a Kindle to read it or um, an audio book to really assist you with that. And having that um, audio function is really important. So just a little side note there too. Definitely. And you did mention like writing in the cover, highlighting. And I remember my English teacher back in the day saying, you want this book to be, I'm not saying ruined, but you want it to be colourful. You want it to have <laughs> sticky notes flying out. You don't need it keep it perfect and clean it needs to be used and, and loved and annotated everywhere would you agree? oh my gosh annotating yes 100 percent um you tend to annotate in class too but on your on your first read read for the plot um and if you know you're only going to read it once have a bit of a sense of what you're looking for so i tend to do character and themes my two main things so i look at okay this character's really changed here in this chapter or this character has not changed at all. They're still the villain. And I make a note of that. That's a really easy one to do. Something you've probably done from year seven. 
And the other one is, yeah, having your themes and having a color for each thing. So every time you think there's a theme happening, you know, put a post-it, put a start, write a little comment, do some reflections. I cannot stress that enough. I've actually kept my own year 12 books um, from 11 years ago. There you go. And I still have all my notes in there. And um, we used to write in pencil so we could rub it out. But now, nowadays, I just write, you know, whatever, I don't mind. But yeah, your book should be covered in notes. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter what you write in there, really, if you're feeling like, oh, I don't know if this is right, because only you will read it. So you can always go back and add to it once you have a bit more of a think and a bit of a discussion in class. So yes, annotate, annotate, annotate. Definitely. And how about like, there's always these students that are like, oh, I've written three practice essays and others like, oh, I've only written one. What's the, (laughs) what is your advice of the quality versus quantity when practicing for an exam or a SAC coming up? Yeah, beautiful. Really good question. So again, this really comes down to knowing how you learn. Um, I wish someone had told me this in year 12 because I always compared myself to everyone else and thought if I haven't written 10 practice essays, I'm going to fail the exam. That's just not true. Although writing lots of practice essays is really, really good revision, you might actually not learn that way or you might learn somewhat differently. So I always give my students options. I'm saying if you can at least write at least one or two before the SAC and then you know, a couple more before the exam, that's really great. But some people prefer to do this option, which I do with my students a lot as well. Um, In an exercise book, you find as many exam or essay questions as you can on your book and you write them at the top of your page and underneath you do um, a really active brainstorm. So that means you come up with a contention, you come up with three assertions or topic sentences, some people call them topic sentences, and then you go in and fill in the evidence that you would use. And instead of writing the entire essay you're really critically thinking about what your contention is going to be your main argument and then knowing what evidence you're going to use to back you up that's really good revision if you're a little bit time poor if you do a lot of sport if you're if you have a lot going on if you have really content heavy subjects which can be just as impactful as writing a practice essay i always say that if you're just writing practice essays for the sake of it and not acting on any feedback there's no point in writing the practice essay you need to be acting on feedback and you need to be really critically thinking about your line of argument in an essay. So some students can do that and do 10 practice essays and it really works for them. Others might only do one or two, but have really, really action to their feedback and still improve when it comes to the SAC or the exam. So again, I'm sorry, not a straightforward answer, but you have to really sit with yourself and go, what works for my brain? What works for my time? you know, because I know a lot of us are really busy. We also work and things like that as well. And then say, talk to your teacher and go, what's going to be best for me? Is it better that I do little paragraphs? I do detailed plans. I write whole essays. What do I need to do? What skill do I need to refine? Because it's not just one size fits all. That's very true. And just to add, it's not just planning it and writing the essay. I guess at the end of it, it's the exam and the time management skills of that, because if you do say the traditional English subject, you'll have three things to write, three pieces, and you've got to manage that time as well. Absolutely. At the end of the day, I had some really brilliant students, um, but they couldn't get through an exam because they just didn't have the timing and they couldn't think on their feet. Whereas I had other students who maybe didn't love English as much, but were so great with their time management, they ended up doing really well. So that's my other top tip, actually, going into top tips. Handwrite as much as you can in year 12, uh, even year 11. Handwrite, handwrite, handwrite. It's so easy to type all your notes. And I know because I'm guilty of that. I type everything. Um, but 
I always say to my students, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You've got to train for it. You wouldn't rock up to a marathon only ever having done 100 meter sprints. So mm-hmm. you need to, you really need to practice your handwriting and have your exam watch. I used to have an exam watch. It was a, a really cheap one from like Kmart or something. And I'd have it in front of me and I would know the times and I know down to the minute. And that, that applies for your other subjects too, like maths as well. But I'd know down to the minute on how long I could spend on an essay before moving on. And that moving on can be really hard if you haven't finished the essay, but you're better off writing, you know, two full, two, two and a half essays instead of, instead of just two because then you can still get some extra marks for that half essay if you dot point your ideas as well. Definitely, definitely. And what about remembering quotes? Because I know with a text response, you have to embed quotes. What are some tips for, for that? Yeah, again, that's a really tough one. You've got to know how you learn there too. I know lots of students create Quizlets and flashcards online. So if you've got a Quizlet um, online, you can write flashcards there, which are a really good way to just have on your phone and flick through. Um, I didn't know this, but a lot of my students last year voice recorded their quotes in their phone. So in like in, in memos, yep. um, read out like 10 quotes. And then when they go on walks, they would listen to them. I love it. And so, yeah, it's a really good idea. I was like, that is brilliant. I've never thought to do that. And so then they were just that constant repetition. They would remember it. Um, and I always say, even if you can't remember the quote, I mean, ideally you would remember it word for word, but if you're a bit nervous and you're panicking and you can only remember, say, 80% of the quote, put it in anyway. It's better to have a quote that's slightly not word for word rather than no quotes at all. You will be heavily penalised if you have no evidence in your essays. That's probably the biggest no-no. So if you really are struggling but and you're a bit nervous in the exam, you can only remember a couple of quotes, still use them. Um, it's better than having none. And that repetition um, and essentially quotes are that rote learning where you're just revising them or reading them all the time. Um, and really for me as well, like some, some learners need to be able to apply that quote in order to remember it. So using that quote in your practice essays, if you know it's a good one, writing like a little mini paragraph about the quote where you analyse it because that application skill is a bit higher order thinking as well and that'll hopefully um, sink into your mind and so you can remember it on the day. You'd be surprised how much you remember anyway. When you're a bit nervous, you go, oh, I don't know. They do come to you almost like in a dream. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's the adrenaline. It's just like, oh, I remember this. I saw this. Write it down, write it down. Yeah, and you know what else? Sometimes the essay questions have a quote in them. So if in doubt, use that quote. (laughs) Even better. It's like a free quote. I know. They don't always, man, just side note to that. They might not relate to your essay topic, but (laughs) they're a good way there just to maybe prompt your thinking as well. Definitely. (laughs) And I just had a brainwave of an idea. The last section of, well, I'm again talking about the traditional English exam, about the language analysis and, um, that section, how can someone improve their, I don't know how to say it, the analysing of the text? Do you recommend mm-hmm. reading newspapers, watching the news? Because that's what my teachers told me. But mm-hmm. do you have any better tips? Yeah, so just a little, just to build on that. So it used to be language analysis, but now it's argument analysis, okay, which yep. is a little bit different. So it's language was back in the day when probably both of us did our exam. It was you really only talked about the techniques and you sort of really analyze the language and you still do that now, but you also need to consider how the argument is being developed in the article as well. And that's where a lot of students struggle. 
Um, but, but you know, it's, a, it's an easier skill to pick up because that it is a little bit more black and white. So reading and engaging in the news is really important because it lends you really important contextual understanding of issues. The exam isn't ever going to be about BLM or COVID because that is too intense. Yep. <laughs> um, I think last year it was about drones. But, you know, it's, it's sometimes, you know, a couple of years ago there was a cartoon and it referenced um, gentrification, which is essentially when poorer suburbs um, are started to uh, are developed by you know bigger companies and then like the hipsters move in and they gentrify it which means that everything starts to become expensive and so there was a reference to gentrification in the cartoon and students who didn't really have an, a contextual understanding of what was happening in the news didn't actually understand that and didn't pick up on that in their essay so when it comes to sort of knowing we call it cultural capital the yep. sort of having a bit of an understanding of generally what's happening in the world and what some of the key issues are is really important and if you're not a newspaper reader um, I get my news through podcasts you can listen to 10 minute news podcasts in the morning you can download the news app on your phone um, and you can engage in it in that way um, even you can follow them on Instagram I follow ABC on ABC news on Instagram I know that they're a reliable source and I sort of get my headlines from there which is a lot easier than sort of reading a newspaper and being engaged in that is important. And I think um, your generation in particular is already very engaged with this, especially through social media. So that's also a really good thing to do. Um, and an annotating as many articles as you can get your hands on. Do all the past exam ones, you know, ask your teacher for some examples. The more you annotate them and understand how argument develops, the more you'll see the patterns and the more you'll recognize them in an exam scenario. Awesome. That's great. And yeah. do you have any last top tips for English? Top tips for English that I haven't covered yet. Um, talk to your teachers. And I've said that a million times, but they really have your back. They're on your team. Um, they can give you some really tailored tips to how you might want to approach the exam. Um, write, handwrite, handwrite, handwrite as much as you can. Um, you might want to, if you do struggle with English, there's some fantastic study guides out there that you can buy. They're not too expensive. Sometimes secondhand options are also a good, a good one. You can find them online too. Um, and they sort of become your study companion as well. Um, things like the, the vape guide for your text or inside texts, um, things like that, they're really handy. And, you know, oh, my other last piece I just remembered. So I always give my year 12s an exercise book at the start of the year. That's about 128 pages. And I say at the end of each semester, you will have filled this exercise book with writing, brainstorms, practice essays. And at the end of the year, you'll look at these two books and you go, this is my, you know, this is my revision because I've revised all year for this exam. And having that there and, and taking really good notes means you're working smarter and not harder at the end of the year when you have four or five other exams you need to study for. You've already done the legwork throughout the year and you're just building up to your finale in the exam and it's a little bit less stressful. Definitely. It's all about smarter, not harder. And yeah. I only, I wish I knew that back in the day as well. <laughs> I know me too. I was like, oh no, you know, cramming does nothing for the mental health and, you know, nothing for the heart. You know, you've got to you got to do that slow but steady race. Like I said, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, you know, be good to yourself and get those notes done and, you know, revised really early on so that when you're getting to the end of the year, you're not starting from scratch because that's the worst feeling. Definitely. 
Now, to finish off, what is one thing that you wish you knew back when you were in school or let's say year 11 or year 12 and can be related to absolutely anything? Yeah, probably for me is don't sweat the small stuff. Um, I was so hung up on the difference between an A and an A plus or, you know, the fact that I got one less point than my friend on my maths test. And, you know, these tiny minute details that we definitely get caught up in in BCE. I think looking back now, it really didn't matter. At the end of the day, if you, if you, I remember my mum said this to me actually, and it was really good advice. If you listen in class, if you engage with your teacher, if you engage with your friends and you do it every, a little bit every single day, you're going to be just fine. And I think I really needed to hear that. That was just super grounding. And even now as an adult, sometimes being reminded of that is really good um, because you'll, you'll never remember a math score test or an English grade, but you will remember how you feel when you walk out at the end of the year and say, I did it. Yeah. So don't sweat the small things, small stuff. Um, I know it's easier said than done, <laughs> but try your best not to. And I know you can get sort of so swept up in this ATAR business and study score business in year 12, um, but it's going to be okay. You're going to get there regardless. Definitely. Wise, wise words. Thank you so much, Demi. Now, if, You're welcome. if any student wants to reach out or has any more questions, you can find Demi and a few other teachers who run this account called ACE Study Guides on Instagram. They're also on YouTube and what they do, they provide resources, tips, study guides, and lots of videos to help you through your um, English studies. So definitely check them out. Yeah, come and join us. We're doing um, lots of big things in, in 2021, which will be pretty exciting. We also cover biology and chem. So if you're a bio or chem student, come on down. We've got some things for you. Excellent. I'm sure the students will get a lot out of it. <laughs> thanks so much. And thanks for having me today. Anytime. Thanks, Demi. If you like this episode or have any more questions, head over to our Instagram at the.studentspace. Now there is a full stop between the and student. And just remember this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not provide any personal advice. Thank you for all your support, everyone. See you later.